Hello everyone. I hope wherever you are in the world today and wherever you're listening from, you're having the day that you want to have and you're taking good, good, good care of yourself. Today I am talking to Jerry Lee, uh, who is an Ayurvedic digestion coach and she specializes in Ayurveda, especially in helping people heal their digestion and understand and gain knowledge about food and how to eat for optimal health and well-being. And I love that she really incorporates an energetic and emotional perspective onto it by bringing quantum healing into her work with Ayurveda. Um, she is also a projector in human design, so projectors have this ability to see and understand people really well. So everything she shares with us today in this episode is so thorough and articulate. And honestly, I come from the lineage of Ayurveda, being Indian myself, so eating this way has kind of been a part of my upbringing. But I actually don't know that much about Ayurveda, and it's often felt really confusing and just something I didn't really understand, and she did a beautiful job at bringing it all together and how we can start using Ayurveda and the framework of Ayurveda to help our bodies and bring optimal health and well-being into the way our system operates and how our digestion can be something that we can support and nourish through Ayurveda. So she does a beautiful, beautiful job at explaining everything. So if you're new to Ayurveda or if you are somebody who's studied Ayurveda, you're going to find something in this episode that's going to open and expand your perspective about healing and the energy and the emotional aspect of our health and our well-being all through the perspective and lens of Ayurveda. So Let's dive into today's episode with Jerry. Welcome to the Unlearn Yourself podcast. This is the place to discover and remember yourself as you unlearn who you have been taught to be. We will explore who your true self is by diving into your inner world and creating the most empowering, aligned, and free relationship with you and your life. I'm really looking forward to diving in today with you and learning all about Ayurveda and how you're mixing quantum healing and Ayurveda together. Um, But before we dive into that, a little bit about you. Uh, What words would you use to describe yourself? Good question. Um, Compassionate, warm, warm slash gentle, intuitive, curious and driven. say that's beautiful (laughs) (laughs) you know when you're on the spot and you're like well what are these things (laughs) yeah it's like are you uh you have like a lot of softness to you as well I mean at least when I see your face there's softness there Uh, 
<laughs> okay. <laughs> um, what, if you know this, what is your sun, moon, and rising in astrology? So my sun is Sagittarius, my moon is Capricorn, and my rising is Virgo. Oh, awesome. We have the same moon. Oh, do we? Yeah, Capricorn. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I've got, I've actually got, I think, five or six in Capricorn. So I'm like very, very earthy, a very earthy chart. <laughs> um and yeah I feel like my Capricorn kind of can make me really hard on myself yeah um but also I guess quite driven um so I need to remember to kind of come out of that and come back into the more like feminine and softness (laughs) yeah and less like just strategic I don't know if you find that as well Oh yeah, I have five or six plants in Capricorn as well. So mm. everything that you said resonates. Mm, yeah. yeah. And then on top of that, you put um, you put being a projector, which is mm. operating in a very feminine way in the world. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I found like only this year actually have I at last understood how to not function from like the masculine. And I think I've always functioned, say, as a generator or manifesting generator and just like, you know, taking everyone, everyone's energy in and like burning out all the time and getting ill all the time. And then this year I was like realising this looping pattern that I had been stuck in and how it's been driven from overworking and mm-hmm. being too much in the masculine. And I just suddenly was like... I don't want that mm-hmm. <laughs> and I want to enjoy my life and I want to have more fun and be less serious yeah <laughs> yeah I think seriousness is something that I can get stuck in and it's you know you kind of like and then come out of it and you witness yourself and you're like oh why have I been like that that's so yeah. why am I living like that so it's a really nice um observation and then kind of leaning into the projector side of things understanding how to work in a different way and having kind of like a guidance system to give you that permission which it does which is just it's been so enlightening and helpful yeah Yeah, I resonate with everything you said Mm. well said (laughs) (laughs) um what is your background like how did you get to doing the work that you're doing today with Ayurveda and helping clients and working with people in that way like so my my background is actually it's probably like not the ordinary as in my career that I still do actually do alongside um Ayurveda is as a pattern cutter so in fashion design um and pattern cutter is like the person who creates or like the designer will give me a sketch or drawing and then I look at that sketch and drawing and then make the pattern on paper which is cut out in fabric and then made up into a garment um so I predominantly worked in like high-end fashion um in London and I kind of got to a point where I was like I'm done like I don't want to be working in London in this industry it was really kind of toxic so I left and moved abroad to China which is then actually when I found Ayurveda so I studied it over there um and then 
similarities, say to kind of bring it back in together again, the similarities between them, because it's a bit confusing, like why I was like, why do I really enjoy pattern cutting? Because I love the process and then I love Ayurveda. And you probably know as a projector, like really enjoying systems. Um, mm -hmm. So kind of like diving in and being able to see things from like a different perspective. So for example, when clothes are fitting badly, um, if you're kind of if you don't understand pattern cutting or fitting you'll just kind of pinch any any bit of fabric and be like oh it's not fitting here just pinch it out but I guess with my brain it's like okay how does the pattern look and how do I need to fix it properly so that it's not budging it's not like a fake fix mm -hmm. <laughs> that's what I can call it and I guess in in medicine it's it's like at the moment well with the western approach it's like band-aid so it's like oh, you've got that problem, let's just fix that, give you some pills or something and band-aid approach to fixing so nothing ever gets resolved. Um, whereas with Ayurveda, it's always looking for the root. So what, like, you're showing the symptom, but why is this happening? And, like, really getting deep in to, say, the physical body, but then also, like, the emotional body and, and uh, mental and spiritual body to understand what's going on on that deeper level. Um, so going back slightly then is I still do love pattern cutting so I do still do that um and I then work with clients on my related side and um yeah I specialize in digestion as that has been an area that I have always struggled with and it's kind of evolved over the last sort of year I think with I've been reflecting on this recently um as I felt like I wanted to Kind of like realign the direction of my business and what I'm doing and I think with with Covid and everything it's just really highlighted to me how much help our society needs in terms of awakening and realizing there's like so much more to life than maybe they see like if say they're saying like in a very linear way like how can we open everyone's eyes to see in this more expansive way um, mm -hmm. to look at health, life, how you're living, um, like connection to say your soul, your spirit. And, and, and I feel like I'm yeah really passionate about that as well. So sort of starting to tie like more kind of also coaching work from an Ayurvedic perspective into my work, if that makes sense. So yeah, it's, it's yeah. growing <laughs> yeah I mean it's all interconnected really it's all just all playing off of each other it's a more holistic mm. approach I love that so you struggled with your own digestion mm. that that yeah. really kind of was okay there's something going on that's beyond just I have an upset stomach upset stomach upset tummy <laughs> <laughs> let's go to the root and I like that you said that the western medicine focuses more on the symptom where I also feel this way eastern medicine let's just say eastern medicine focuses more mm -hmm. on the root mm -hmm. um how was how was that process for you realizing okay I I can I can I can approach this differently mm. so when I have lived in the UK or like throughout my life, I've always, you know, kind of had a comfortable digestion um, and things like IBS and uh, like bloating. And I think we really normalize that. And so moved to China and 
picked up some kind of parasites um at the time like i i i was just really blated i was blated for probably like 10 months but like severely um and didn't really know what to do kind of because i was in china i couldn't really go to the chinese doctor easily without not being able to speak chinese <laughs> properly so i sort of went to hong kong and saw a, a more western doctor but again they just weren't you know they can't give you any answers or anything um and that's really when i kind of start, started to delve more into ayurveda um and i think you know when you just have that hit it's like that's for me i need to go study um and that happened so i was kind of going through all my digestive problems and then studying alongside and realizing what was going on um still at that time didn't really know it was parasites and i just woke up one day because i had a really this is going to sound horrible but a really like horrible coating on your like on my tongue and my tongue just felt ill which is mm -hmm. a really funny thing to say but um and then ever since that it was like coated all the time and no matter what it was just you know and that's a sign of toxicity so i was like why am i so toxic and my skin had i'd never had acne or any kind of spot issue ever and ever since i went to china i suddenly started to get these cystic spots these just like massive under the skin ones that were kind of really painful um and i was like i don't know what's going on <laughs> like my digestion's out of whack my skin is um so then eventually when i moved back to the uk i was sort of treating myself for candida which is like a bacterial overgrowth um in the gut um, you get it in different parts of the body so mine was mainly gut based um and then i have been kind of doing like a parasite cleanse um and yeah actually seeing big worms come out which is wow kind of freaky because you're like oh my god like that i'm is dying i've been living in me for <laughs> god knows how long um so it's scary and satisfying and a bit like a bit like oh my god <laughs> um and i think because when I came back to the UK, I did, I went to the doctor over here and went and had um, a colonoscopy and a gastroscopy, can I say that very well, where they put the the cameras up your bum and down mm -hmm. your throat. Um, and they were like, oh no, you're fine. Like, there's, we can't see anything wrong. Um, and I guess also, I guess understanding my own, or like, you know, seeing what's going on, say with bowel movements and stuff, um, I knew that they weren't what you call normal. But Western medicine do take stool samples, but they don't ask you like they're not like oh how what <laughs> what's the formation like or you know anything like that. Whereas in from an I guess um, a more Eastern perspective, you always you want to see what's coming out the other end and is that normal and kind of starting to pay more attention to what is actually happening in the body because um, it's giving you signs like all the time. So yeah it's been a journey and interesting to learn a lot along the way uh, more about parasites and how so many i think of our health problems do stem from things perhaps like parasites i mean we all have them regardless of if you've traveled or not um we pick them up like easily and i guess it's more like the ones that are more serious that then can escalate in the body so it's been yeah an eye-opener to look at people's health from that angle um which is often maybe more missed from different perspectives um and kind of help clients in that way as well
That's really, really interesting. Um, mm. I mean, I heard somewhere that your digestion or your gut is like, it's like the epicenter of all your health and disease. So if your gut mm -hmm. is off balance, that relates to almost every disease that the human body mm -hmm. can get, which is so interesting. Wow, I never knew that you could, I mean, I've heard about parasites living in our gut, but wow, um, this just sounds so yeah. weird. Because uh, no, you can, I mean, they, you can get parasites like in your brain, like, like in your eyes, like, because they're, they're, they can be microscopic as well. So they can pass out the gut and they can embed in state organs and stuff. So it, it really becomes like a whole body situation. And like you said, in Ayurveda, actually, um, yeah, your digestion is the home to your health. So as soon as digestion goes wrong, in some sense, then it's going to create other problems in the body. So that's why we need to sort of harvest it and, and really look after it the best way we can. Because if you imagine we've got all our food assimilating in the digestive tract. So when things start to say not get digested properly or leak out or sit in the stomach too long, then we've got toxic toxins building up and then toxins move around the body. And that's then what creates the disease. So, um, yeah, what you said was was spot on there. That's so interesting. So what is Ayurveda? Let's start really basic here. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Great question. So Ayurveda is a ancient Indian health system dated back to over 5,000 years. Um, it's the sister science to yoga. So it got, it, it said it got downloaded by the sages um, and eventually it was passed down and passed down through word of mouth. And eventually it was written in a book for these books called the Vedas. Um, so yoga and Ayurveda were practiced together like hand in hand. And then when the um, revolution happened or the, the British took over um, India, that's when Ayurveda kind of got lost because the West, uh, Westerns came over and thought that their Western medicine was more advanced and cleverer and um, I guess, yeah, more powerful than this ancient wisdom that had been kind of been passed along and along um, in India. So yoga still got practiced because it was how they well it said that that's how they controlled um like adolescent adolescent boys testosterone so that it didn't like get out of whack because actually yoga is a, a very masculine practice um it's very like regimented so having that regiment was kind of like kept their testosterone at bay <laughs> um so that's that's how yoga sort of carried on and i guess why it's been introduced into the west before Ayurveda has. I think Ayurveda's becoming more popular now, but it's nowhere near where yoga is. Oh, yeah. um, and so it's slowly starting to filter through. Um, but I think because a lot of how Ayurveda was, well, is taught or was taught um, in India is through metaphors. So it makes it not, I guess, exactly scientific or there's not the... I think now there's been a lot done to have the, um, like say, Western research, like scientific research to back up practices of Ayurveda, like how effective are these things on, on the body and for our health. 
Um, but I think because a lot of it was spoken through these metaphors, it's a little bit confusing for us to then digest and understand. Um, yeah, would you say it's like more intuitive, mm, more intuitive than West, Western medicine mind can grasp? Um, yeah, I guess in terms of like the language, I'll give you an example um, of um, something, <laughs> I'm going to kind of probably make a right old mess of this, but something like uh, we water the root um, would be an example of like we give an, an enema. So when you water the root, I guess you're giving the nourishment from the ground up. So it's like the roots nourished and then it's like coming up. And if you imagine that's happening to us, so instead of food coming in through the mouth, it's like we give an enema to nourish up through the bum. Mm. But it doesn't have to pass through any of the digestive um, processing because if your digestion's weak, you're not going to be able to get any nutrients because you can't digest properly. But if we give nutrients to through an enema then it can go straight into to the um gut and just kind of then access the body that way and it it bypasses the whole digestive system so yeah that they would they would explain it something like um we water the root um so that's like a kind of an example but probably <laughs> not the best example i can give um if that makes sense yeah that's really think, interesting in terms of i guess intuition it's funny, I think, I think lots of people probably practice Ayurveda when they don't actually realise. Um, and then when I learnt, when I went to study, I realised how much of it is just common sense and your intuition and how when we actually don't function through the mind all the time and stop and be like, oh, what does my body want? Or like, how am I actually feeling? Um, then we're able to kind of nourish ourselves better and look after ourselves better and that is sort of the teachings of Ayurveda it's this like slowing down and coming in tune with yourself again to then understand how to take better care of yourself so quite difficult when we live in this like very fast-paced world but I think it's getting more and more important to be able to do that. Yeah I totally resonate with that because if you slow down and you come into the body I feel like our body's always communicating with us of what it needs. Mm. Um, there was a few years ago, I was diagnosed with anemia. And mm. I remember going to the grocery store and just like touching, grabbing foods I normally wouldn't be grabbing. And they all happened to be really high in iron. And it's like intuitively, my body was just grabbing the pumpkin seeds or I was grabbing beets. I was like, these are things I haven't eaten in a very long time. Yeah. And it was so cool That's to see amazing. how the, the, the intuition kicked in. And I feel like if you are in tune with your body and like embodied, like doing practices that ground you into your body, you're, it's like you can hear what your body's trying to communicate with you. Mm, yeah, definitely. I feel like the more kind of in tune I've got and say even around um, like your monthly cycle, for example, where you are losing iron and, and blood, definitely around that time, I'm like, oh, like naturally want to go towards, say, more nourishing foods, like more protein, things higher in, higher in iron. Um, so my body feels like weak. It's like, give me, give me the good stuff. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. And then when you're in your um, ovulating phase, I, I track my cycle too. Uh, mm -hmm. I notice I want to eat more like salads and juices and want to eat more smoothies. Mm, yeah, same. And you're just like, oh, I want to just 
get up and go and be really free. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's really powerful. Um, mm. What what are like the main components of Ayurveda? So if you can start breaking so, it down, what should we? What should someone start looking for to start understanding how they can use it? So when people first hear Ayurveda, you always hear about the doshas, and you can do your dosha test, like you can do them online. Um, and that gives you an understanding of your kind of physiological makeup from um, like an elemental perspective. So we've got um, pitta, which is fire, um, kapha, which is water um, and earth, and vata, which is air and ever. So I think when people come to that, they, they do the test and they're like, oh, this is me. I'm made up of these things. Um, and then they kind of are like, okay, what do I do now? And so that's when we really need to start to understand everything. <laughs> I won't say everything, but kind of change the perspective of how we look at everything that we do to an energetic perspective. Because if you imagine, I'll use myself for example, I'm my my doshas that tend to go out of balance more are my pitta and my vata. So that means I get excess heat and also I get more deficient. So pitta is your kind of like excess in the body. So inflammation, heat, vata is your deficiency. So like coldness, dryness, um, anything depleting. And then kapha is your excess. So any kind of, um, over, like if you're overweight, have cystic cysts or growths or anything like that, anything where there's too much in the body. Um, so already if you're kind of listening to this and you're like oh I wonder what I am we can also break um the body into sections so the top half will be um kapha so that's like congestion in the lungs in the chest so you get things like phlegm like bronchitis and all the kind of like mucusy things and then in the middle we have pitta so that's inflammation say in the stomach um like acid reflux crohn's um yeah, any kind of heat in, in that middle area and then the lower area is your vata which is dryness so things like irritable bowel syndrome um stomach cramping constipation any dryness um any weakness is going to be related to like the lower section so ready you can kind of be like oh what do i tend towards so I tend to kind of excess or information or like dryness and weakness um and then from that how then can we look at what we're doing so in terms of say physical activities um for example if you like exercising like what exercising are you doing are you a pitter and you love hit training then that's going to create more heat and it's going to send you more out of balance oh, wow. and just also something that I found so fascinating is when we come out of balance we crave what makes us out of balance more mm. so it kind of like feeds itself um and again if you're a kaffir um exercising kaffirs don't really like to exercise as much they like they just kind of like um being leisurely and um being in comfort so they might just want to go for say like walks um or do you maybe they might do like weight training like they prefer kind of things that are more like don't get the heart rate up as much but they're the ones that we want to get the heart rate going um whereas the pitters we want them to kind of do things that might give them a like a release of energy 
energy but then kind of like calm and let everything cool down and then vatas they're like the wind and they love running and they love being free but then if you imagine like long distance running that's again creating lots of wind in the body um and kind of like more space and that's gonna unsettle vata and kind of cause anxiety and more say um joint pain or uh creaking joints and things like that so we can start to look at the things we like doing at the activities from an energetic perspective and also the food we eat which the food there's a whole a whole thing in ayurveda called the gunas so they they come in pairs and it's like how do we balance foods so how do we like say for example we've got hot foods and um cold foods like light foods and heavy foods so then when we can start to understand the foods through the perspective of the qualities or the gunas, we can then understand how to eat according to how we're feeling. So if I am feeling really tired in the morning or really sluggish, what can I eat to then help kind of stimulate and wake me up? Um, obviously, caffeine is like, you know, a stimulant, but that's not not great it's okay for kaffirs but the other two doshas it's it's heating and it's going to cause anxiety for vatas so what can i have that's sort of like a gentle stimulant so something like a chulsi tea is like a gentle herbal tea stimulant um i could depending on what you like to eat for breakfast you could have um a little bit of spice um you could get the lymphatic system going and the blood moving through breath work and movement to get the heart rate up so it's like how can we how can we kind of remedy ourselves at that point in time throughout the day mm -hmm. so that we're constant so that we're kind of like you know we're never we're never going to be in balance all the time and we're always finding we're always like striving for the balance but we're not it's unattainable to stay in balance so it's like how I'm, I'm a little bit out of balance what can I do to bring me a little bit back in because if we don't ever think like that which we're not taught to ever then it's like we're constantly then going further and further and further away and out of balance until mm -hmm. we become sick and ill and disease and illness starts to happen so it's becoming aware of how you work how you function your body um and then like thinking about the lifestyle that you're living the food that you're eating is it is it supporting you or is it depleting you? Because I think so many of us live these lifestyles that we think are healthy because the media says that we should be doing, say, hit classes, spin classes. Um, like the more you do, the better. Um, mm -hmm. You should be eating like only raw foods and mm -hmm. like- you so should be, Or you are, should be vegan. <laughs> yeah, prime example. And it's like, yes, that works for some people, but is it right for you? So it's becoming really discerning with, is that right? Is that not right for me? And mm. like unapologetic about it. Like that's not for me. And I'm fine about that. Yeah. Um, yeah. So one thing I want to clarify that you said, cause I've never heard it be explained like this before. So you are doing a beautiful job at articulating what all this means because sometimes it can get really confusing i'm bot time pitta like what does all this mean so mm -hmm. you're saying that so if we can divide the body into compartments mm -hmm. the upper half is kapha, kapha. and mm -hmm. then the middle section is pitta. pitta and then the lower section is vata so that's kind of how mm -hmm. the body's divided in terms of the doshas 
Mm, and then yeah. de- depending on where we feel out of balance, do we get bronchitis? Do we get lots of colds? Or do we get constipation a lot? Then we know which area, which we're in, which dosha is really activated in our system. Mm, yeah. So that's, that's, yeah, a good foundational way to look at your whatever issue, health problem you're having and being like, what dosha is it related to? Because we, when we say diagnose, well, we can't, we can, we can, can we, we can't like diagnose, I can't be like, this is wrong with you. I can um, kind of, you know, hear your symptoms and be like, I think this is wrong because of X, Y, Z. Um, and then we can look at that dosha. Um, it's, well, whatever this health problem is, it's, it's related to that dosha. And then again, <laughs> getting on a deeper, to the next layer, it's like, is it truly that dosha or is, because then doshas can like, affect each other um so an example of this would be um say eczema for example if you've got eczema and it's like hot and inflamed so immediately you think pitta it's heat it's a rash inflammation but is it true heat or if you imagine dry excess dryness in the body can create heat like um a really dry forest um, and then you've got the sun kind of like shining and then it just is like and explodes. So it's like, is there so much dryness in the body that the heat is just then kind of like fueling that and spreading it? So we can then kind of like start to look again, like, is that, is that what's happening or is there like another layer to it? So it's, it's, it's becoming really aware about how everything kind of works in tandem. Yeah. 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 Um, Yeah. But it's yeah, good. A really good place to start is just what am I? Am I like an excess person, a deficient person, or a inflammation person? So <laughs> and ex- then that will give you. So excess would be kapha. Yeah. And then. And then inflammation would be pitta. And then. And then def- um, deficiency would be vata. Oh, that's gr- that's really awesome. But because <laughs> that makes so much sense now, so. That's really interesting because I, I tend to get deficient sometimes in a lot of minerals. So that, that means I have excess of vata in my system. Mm. And that's really yeah, interesting. Yeah. And then what I end up doing usually is I start building the gut up. Like ginger tea, mm-hmm. lemon water, uh, a lot of like cayenne, pepper, warming foods that really get my gut going. Mm. I notice that it's like kind of, that it starts to all start to balance back into place. Yeah, that's wonderful. That's just that's spot on because vata is the also the dosha of it's like a cold dosha. So a lot of the time it can be deficient because we don't have enough heat to say get the digestive system pumping and going. So it's like how can we add in some of these um, warming spices and warming foods to help ignite the fire? So mm-hmm. in Ayurveda, your digestive fire is called agni, and your agni is what digest and assimilates all your food so if that's if that's weak and if it's kind of burnt out then it's everything's going to be kind of like cold and not moving um and you're not going to be able to digest or absorb any nutrients and things like that so what you said was like spot on (laughs) wow that's so crazy that intuitively i knew how to do this but it's interesting because i I i'm indian so i come from this background Mm -hmm. and when i eat like a hundred percent indian diet I feel my best. Like mm. I grew up eating kitchari, like 
I love Kitri. Yeah, like <laughs> when anybody would get sick in the family, that's like immediately what would be given to them. Or, mm -hmm. you know, um, concoctions of like ginger tea just daily. You know, I can't mm. imagine my life without ginger because it's, oh yeah. it's just a big part of how I grew up. So it's interesting that I've noticed that when I eat too much of a Western diet, mm. you know, I don't, I don't even know, like pastas and gluten and breads. I notice that my system feels off. But then when I go to the lentils, mm. the rice, the ginger, the garlic, it's like my body's like, oh, this, this is, we operate on this. <laughs> I know. I feel, I feel the same. It's funny. So I'm half Chinese. And so when I grew up, there was a lot, like a lot of rice and like a more, I guess, like Chinese diets. My dad, my dad loves Chinese food. <laughs> so I, I guess as I got older and things, I, I was stemmed more towards like a Western diet. And it was like, maybe that's why I struggled with digestive problems or they kind of got worse as I got older. And then as, as I simplified and kind of come back to say tradition of um, like this sort of um, Eastern approach of more rice and lentils and spices and ginger, like I love, like every day I'll have a ginger tea and I'll put all sorts of herbs into my thermos and just drink that all day um and just live off that and i feel like it really just helps every ignite everything and keep digestion going and the warmth in your stomach um and i don't know if you're a hot water fan but like yes I cannot, yes yes <laughs> like i cannot go near a cold glass of water anymore it's like an assault to my digestive system <laughs> no but here in the united states the restaurants they offer you ice water Mm. and I'm like how like this does not make any sense mm. it does it just it doesn't and it's crazy how that's how we live like we live in a society that promotes cold beverages mm -hmm. <laughs> well, it's just like I kind of like explaining it as it's like putting your hand in an ice ice bucket and leaving it there like all the blood can't like it goes numb all the blood comes out and if you imagine you're drinking ice water and it's going into your stomach, which is hot, and it's got all your hydrochloric acid and it's, it's you know, there to um, break down all the food. So if we're putting ice water in it, then all the blood comes out and then there's nothing left to digest. And then it just sits there and stagnates. So obviously then digestive problems are going to happen because we can't, it's just going to become toxic and fermented. So, yeah, so we need to get back on the hot water. <laughs> So the digestion system should stay like the fire should be alive and it should be hot because the heat and the, the fire of the digestive is what allows everything to basically assimilate into the body and uh, break down. Mm -hmm. So then the nutrients can be absorbed. And if our digestive gets like, let's say too cold or mm -hmm. too inflamed, then that's when the issues and oops, that's when the issues in the gut start happening. Mm, yeah, precisely. So Another way to also look at it is, you know, in winter, obviously it's cold. Um, and so either, depending on your body type, um, you'll get more hungry because all the blood has drawn inwards towards the digestive tract and, and like your extremities don't really have as much blood anymore. So then our hunger increases. And then in summer, when it's hotter, we want we want the blood well the blood kind of disperses out into our extremities to help us cool down so there's less blood 
in the digestive tract and then we're we're just naturally less hungry so you can kind of imagine it like that as well like when there's less blood in the digestive tract it's not going to be working as strong and when there's more blood it's going to be stronger wow okay yeah Yeah, that totally does that's really amazing (laughs) so what would you can you like maybe give us a suggestion of what we could do to like ignite that fire and keep that fire going like is there a specific kind of herb tea concoction that you know we could start incorporating on a daily basis into our diet so i mean top tip top recommendation is just hot water like all the time um if you have a, like if you don't drink hot water and you have digestive problems like that is a really really good place to start then looking at your meal times so we are part of nature so we kind of rise with the sun and then you know in the sun you're kind of uh, in the morning sorry it's the sun's just waking up and it's like oh I'm just coming out and saying hello but I'm not quite awake yet so in the mornings you want to be starting the, the day with a lighter meal not to overwhelm because your digestive fire is just kind of waking up again so it's nice to kind of wake that digestive system up with a glass of warm water first thing with I like to do a squeeze of lime so like half lime and a little pinch of salt so obviously the warm water is going to kind of you know it's just being like hi I'm here (laughs) I'm gonna Mm. wake you up and then we've got the lime which is sour so anything sour in Ayurveda is well it's called like a kolagog and that just means that it stimulates the liver to release bile um so bile is released and then will come into the intestines um and bile is a very hot substance so it it will it actually like kind of aggravates it a little bit but that's what stimulates like a bowel movement to happen so it's a nice way to start to cleanse the digestive tract as you wake up to kind of stimulate your first bowel movement of the day that's so Um, cool I've never I've never knew why because I have a lemon water with ginger mm, every morning mm. and I don't know why I'm doing it I mean I'm like hooked (laughs) that's amazing it just helps like wake everything up and kind of gets things yeah gets everything going um so and then yeah kind of having I want to say a lighter breakfast tradition you probably know like stewed apples are are like a nice light sort of thing to start the day with obviously people sometimes don't find that enough so you can add in some say coconut desiccant coconut um you can have say I think they some oats or a little bit of quinoa with it um I guess just nothing like really cold and really heavy and really sugary is like what we don't want to do first (laughs) thing in the morning yeah kind of put your digestive system out um and then when we come to lunchtime so eating at the same time every day is important so I'll just also say that so if you're eating breakfast at like eight always kind of eating at eight and then lunchtime is good to eat between say 12 and 1 because that's when the sun is the highest or there's the strongest in the sky and because we are nature that's when we are also the strongest um so eating our, we're meant to eat the biggest meal of the day at lunchtime mm. and then in the evening again not eating too late so i guess between six and seven and that shouldn't that should be a smaller meal to the lunchtime meal because the digestive system is, has been working all day 
Um, so obviously if you've been working all day you're going to be more tired and that goes for our organs as well so we want to be kind of you know thinking about that and eating something that's a little bit lighter on digestion so perhaps you might favour um, more protein um, and more um, carbs and fats at, at um, lunch and then for dinner go a little bit lighter on that just so that it doesn't have to work as hard before bed because ideally we want to have like fully digested eating before we go to sleep um, mm-hmm. because then that time when we're sleeping that 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 energy is then used for detoxification of the body mm-hmm. if we're going to bed when we're full and the stomach still needs the food still needs to be like digested then the body can't detoxify itself so it's just then gonna accumulate toxins and toxins so being really mindful about um the times you're eating uh what you're eating like try and uh, what one thing i will say snacking also is like a big one that's gonna put out your digestive fire and i know people like i'm i get i like i love snacking but i know it's not good for me <laughs> to say i get into patterns of witnessing myself being like i'm snacking and i'm not even hungry like you know so why does digestion well i mean not digestion why does snacking put off the digestion fire um so if you imagine if you imagine like you're on a treadmill and you kind of like start in the morning and you kind of like are like oh okay i've got i got like half an hour to go so you do a run and then you're like oh yeah okay i can get off now and i can come back on the treadmill at lunchtime to digest this next portion of food but then if we're snacking in between so say between breakfast and lunch and then lunch and dinner then you're gonna have to get back on that treadmill and and work again so it's like the digestive system never gets a, never gets a break it has to constantly be going um, and going and that's when it's going to get weaker and weaker because we're never giving it a rest mm. um so i think there was like a phase where there was like if you eat constantly or you have i don't know seven meals a day then your metabolism's gonna <laughs> get better um and i mean it's it's not true <laughs> it just weakens our digestive system for the long run if we are eating all the time continuously um because if you imagine then we've got our stomach is breaking down the meal and then that's they moved into the small intestines and then we eat again then the small intestines and the stomach have to work and then if we're still eating then it's like the large intestine small intestine and stomach are all working so it's then like we've got multiple parts of the digestive system working at one time when really we want to be just like it in the stomach it can go to the small intestines and then to the large intestines before we then eat another meal again so the mm-hmm. stomach should be empty um and a way to well a way to know if your stomach is empty is if you burp <laughs> and you can taste the meal in your mouth still it means that the food is still in your stomach oh. whereas if you if you burp and you can't taste if it's just like empty then it means that your stomach is clear um, and then it's like okay to eat again okay um, so you want to wait till your stomach is empty to eat the next meal mm, yeah that's yeah, really interesting like piling and piling and the, um, and the digestive system is basically saying like just like how our minds can get burnt out our digestive system can get burnt out too and mm. if you are constantly snacking you're burning out the digestive system wow <laughs> yeah. that's really cool yeah so it's kind of amazing because we we aren't taught the intricacies of how our body works and it's just 
so fascinating and I think when you start learning it gives you more compassion for like your organs and how they're working and like how much pressure we put on them to digest all this food or like yeah like eat we eat all the wrong things and then we expect our bodies to work okay when it's it's like no the body's not going to work okay if you're just piling in this food and not thinking about if it's actually if you're hungry if my stomach's empty <laughs> like all these things so it's a good yeah good to become aware of how how if you're actually hungry because I think a lot of the time we eat mindlessly like this mm-hmm. mindless I mean I yeah. mindlessly eat like I'm guilty for sure um and just yeah but becoming like conscious about everything that you're putting in your mouth mm-hmm, <laughs> it does take a practice and awareness but when or like when I do do it properly I'm like oh I feel so much better mm-hmm. and just so much just like lighter and like energy like better energy and everything yeah and yeah I think when we do allow ourselves to get hungry then we can actually appreciate our food more because it's like, oh, yay, I get to eat this delicious thing that I've cooked. Whereas if we're kind of snacking and a bit hungry, we're like, oh, yeah, okay, I'm going to eat because I've made it and you don't enjoy it as much. And it kind yeah. of, you lose the joy of food then. So, mm-hmm. yeah. Yeah, it tastes better. Totally, totally feel you on that one. Mm. So for each of the kapha, pitta, vata, Mm. what should we be eating for each of those doshas like so if you could give me a few for each one mm. okay so vata dosha so is related to dryness in the body and kind of like lightness and more deficiency so we want to be eating foods that balance those qualities so things more like root vegetables um are going to be grounding so obviously they come from the earth but also they have more nutrition um than say other kind of vegetables <laughs> then they've got more say carbohydrates and things like that so like root vegetables higher fats as well so your kind of good fats they want to be favoring those um especially if you have any kind of like creaking joints or like grinding joints and things like that dry hair um dry skin then it could mean that we want to increase oil um also if you ever feel a bit like frantic or anxious because all of our cells in our body are coated with a layer of fat um and so if we don't have enough fat in our diet then the cells become kind of if you imagine they don't have their coating protection of that coating they become a bit like frantic so it can help just like ground on on all levels um and then they want to be favoring say more kind of meats and like if you eat meat meat or like you know proteins in general so if you're vegan or um, vegetarian like pescatarian fish um and like tofu and avoiding more salads cold foods because that's going to just put more cold in the body and disrupt digestion mm-hmm. um so that's what i would say for vata then for pitta so they have more heat so we want to be avoiding heating foods so we get we get two different kinds of i say, i wouldn't call them pungent spices in ayurveda we get the like heating pungents so like your cayenne your black pepper um like mustard seeds things like that so they kind of create 
a lot of heat um, and then you get your your like mild pungents um, or aromatic pungents so things like mint fennel um, cardamom saffron things like that are going to be a lot more balancing for pitidacea and favoring more cooling foods say mung, mung dal rice um like cucumber any kind of dairy is also cooling um anything like red meats is going to be heating mm-hmm. um so kind of avoiding them um yeah like saffron is a really good spice for pitta because it kind of cools the blood um but also stimulates the digestive fire and kind of cools the mind so that's a really nice balancing uh, herb as well as like rose tea is also it's got that like astringent astringent quality so it kind of pulls heat out of the body um okay. so they're nice for pitta and then kapha um so they they have more excess so they want to be avoiding more of the higher fat foods um and higher i want to say like like obviously they can still eat things like fat and root vegetables because we have to eat everything but in just in less quantities and then favoring more like legumes um pulses they are astringent quality in ayurveda so that means that they help pull out excess water so if you imagine i like to say like you know mashed potato when you kind of mash it up um and then suddenly it gets um really dry it like it just is something really dry and you're like oh i need to add more like water or milk or whatever to make it a better consistency so that's what astringency does it just pulls everything so kaffirs tend to have hold more water weight um so eating those kind of astringent foods are going to help reduce water weight in the body um and then they can favor more of the pungent spices so the very heating ones um as that's going to help stimulate blood flow and get things moving because they tend to have more stagnation so they need more of the kind of stimulation from like cayenne black pepper uh like chelsea tea um things like that just yeah gonna help get everything moving um and then for all doshas i would still say hot water is favorable for all um and then like say in summer pitters might want to just have like room temperature um something like that so yes there's that is there any any there that you want more information on <laughs> what, what's a, what's an astringent food you said astringent for kapha yeah so um so like mung dal um and any kind of like chickpea like lentil um any cruciferous vegetable so i don't know i never know if i say cruciferous right but that's like your broccoli cauliflower like brussels sprouts like cabbage um they all hold astringency um so if you imagine uh, like let's say relating it to like a western diet we would say that those are kind of like low carb like low they don't hold much um like calories uh and then actually just like lighter and drier in in their qualities so those are the more astringent ones okay and that's that's for kaffas mm, yeah and and all like because in Ayurveda, it's like just because you're one dish, it doesn't mean you can't eat that, like the like the other foods. It's it's like we can also think, how can I make something more balancing for my dasha? So, for example, if I wanted to eat, um, say, broccoli or cauliflower, 
and I'm a vata who has a drier digestion, how can I, and uh, broccoli and cauliflower are drier in nature, how can I make that more balancing for me so I can add more, say, olive oil or more ghee when I'm cooking to help give it some unctuous and make it like less drying for when I eat it, whereas a kaffir might just have a, a, like a small drizzle and then just like herbs and some salt or something like that. So when we're looking to our meals, how can we balance what we're eating to kind of suit our body? Does mm-hmm. that make sense? Yeah. So it does take more thinking about like, is that am I eating a balanced meal? Because technically in our age we want to be having six the six tastes um like the the plate should hold six tastes so that we're then nourishing every aspect of the digestive tract. So we've got sweet, um, salty, sour, pungent, bitter, and astringent. Mm-hmm. Um, and having all six in each meal, and then that's going to satisfy you the most. Because if we leave out a taste, then it sometimes can create a craving later on in the day because it hasn't satisfied that part of the digestive system. Mm. Um, it's quite a lot. To, it is quite a lot to kind of think about when you start and I would say if you are looking to start it can feel very overwhelming so it's just like what one what small step can I put in today um that like you know what can what thing can I change today that's going to help me and not Mm. being like I need to change everything um so maybe that day you're like okay today I'm gonna think about say you're a kaffir today what astringent foods can I eat or what and pungent spices can I add to my meals or to my foods to help balance my dosha um, and just maybe pick like one thing or one little thing to do that day to help because I think otherwise it can be like oh I don't know where to start and, mm. and then you kind of don't start or you try to do everything and then you're like oh I'm freaked out <laughs> mm. <laughs> like where do I go from here yeah um so it really is like a change of it is a change of mindset and how you view everything it's like a, I, I like to say it's kind of like a re-education that we've got to almost forget what we know about food and then relearn it through the lens of qualities like what quality is this food bringing me um like what quality am I feeling and is this quality going to balance me right now mm-hmm. um kind of thing yeah that's a really powerful way of looking at it so you're saying that all the six tastes apply to all the doshas mm yeah so so certain tastes relate to the doshas the Mm -hmm. the different doshas but we we want to be eating all of them regardless of our dosha because that's what's going to nourish the body fully um Mm -hmm. and then depending on our balance and things then we can kind of favor certain certain uh tastes more so and also with the seasons like when we go through the seasons um like at the moment we are yeah in still in kaffir season um so kaffir is when if you imagine like winter we've had like a build-up um and we've had say in nature even we've had a build-up of say snow or ice and then we come into the spring and everything starts to melt so in our bodies as well we kind of accumulated more fat and nutrients over the winter because it's been colder and then as we come into the warmer temperature we everything in the body like starts to melt a little bit the temperatures increase so then more new like i want to say the blood becomes richer and more dense um and if we don't then eat 
a kappa balancing diet then that richness is going to what is going to be what starts to cause like accumulation and say congestion and things like that so eating with the seasons is also i would say eating with the seasons is kind of like priority over eating for your dosha specifically does that mm-hmm. yeah that makes the sense kind of, yeah you're doing um, like what nature is doing yeah like you're doing you're doing what nature's doing and then you're altering it a little bit for for your body type so mm-hmm. if you're a vata in kapha season then you will still want to be eating the kapha foods but still eating your water foods as well um if not i i mean i've done this in the past where i was like right it's kapha season i'm gonna eat really kapha not eat any like vata foods um which means just taking out like all the oils and more like nutrients dense foods and my my hips started to like grind and I was like oh wow like yeah I really need to get those oils back in mm-hmm, <laughs> so mm-hmm. it's becoming it's just being like okay I've changed my diet like how am I feeling in my body now is it suiting me or do I need to add and change things in so it's all it's kind of like a dance you're you're constantly like dancing between like oh is this working is it not like oh yeah I'm in my good spot <laughs> yeah yeah um, yeah and but it's like it all takes, tri- it's like trial and error a bit yeah yeah totally and it's it is like an experiential process of like the whole like with our age every, everything about it is like trying everything and feeling then how to feel in the body and then how to move on from there like okay i understand that now Re- like i relate to that like that um like next time is that going to suit me or not kind of thing yeah um yeah so what are the seasons? So winter is kapha. Um, so spring, so spring, which is now, is kapha. Mm-hmm. Um, and then we go into uh, summer, which is pitta, so mm-hmm. heat. And then we go into autumn, winter, which is vata. Oh, um, okay, okay. Yeah, so you can kind of see it as like, so in winter, uh, autumn, winter, everything starts to get dry and like die. Um, so kind of the opposite of that would be like, oh, we need to bring in more like nourishment um, and create kind of a blanket. <laughs> I want to say like in the body. Whenever you say vata, I just think of like a like a desert that needs moisture. Oh, uh, okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. Is that accurate? <laughs> it's so it's accurate as in like vatas get very dry. Yeah, and like like cracked. So we can say like cracked like a desert and like dehydrated but i guess they don't necessarily get hot like no. as it would be so it's like we can it's like half half <laughs> yeah yeah I, I, yeah I think of like a desert at night time because it's cold oh yeah yeah but it's there's no moisture there's no water yeah. everything is yeah, just like dust mm, that's a really good yeah like a, a winter desert is winter sorry a evening desert is yeah like spot on then um okay. it's just kind of i'm imagining that kind of stillness and darkness and it's just like nothing's really happening yeah um, yeah that's really interesting okay that's good to know that the seasons also have the doshas and that will help that's that this is so this is so amazing because i'm just sitting here I'm like wow this is going to be so helpful now to eat with the seasons but to also know that whatever dosha i'm not sure exactly what my doshas are i think i'm vata pitta or pitta Mm -hmm. vata one of those 
but we we have all three it's just two mm-hmm. are very very dominant yeah so yeah we're always made up of all three and it's either normally one or two are dominant um mm-hmm. within your constitution and so at the time of conception is when your dosha is determined so that's why in ayurveda i guess they say that before you like say you're thinking of um having a child um that the mother and the father should have done some kind of like cleanse or mm-hmm. you know thought about that because it's it's like then when when the um ovulation happens that's when your constitution is formed so if there's kind of toxins and things in either parent then it's going to be formulated into the dosha mm-hmm. um so then when we're born it's what we call your prakriti mm-hmm. um and then when we move through life obviously we have our environment and things and we have jobs and relationships and all sorts of stresses and things like that and then if I see a client, for example, I'll be looking at what you call your vakriti. So it's what your current dosha is or your current balance is. Um, and then we can then try to determine what your vakriti is and how to get back to your most authentic original state, um, like time of like time of birth sort of thing. Oh, I didn't know you could do that. You could look up what your doshas are at the time of your birth. And that's kind of where you should be sitting to be in harmony in your system. Mm, so sorry <laughs> i don't know if i confused you there you can't you can't actually look up your prakriti <laughs> oh okay but, um but you can tell your prakriti through pulse reading um and also if you say if i looked at a photo of you from under the age of four then it gives like a good indication of how you were as like a child um mm. compared to like say how you are now and if if you can yeah like look at the features um and determine what data that fits into oh okay um, so you could even do like a reading of the body and the face to know what doshas or this person Mm. is in yeah oh i didn't know that that's really cool i want to ask this question this is is a question that came up is what one if like for example i'm an aquarius that's the dead of winter am i going to be more vata then just naturally because that's when i was born Good question. I don't know is the answer. <laughs> I just was um, like, oh, that would that would be is that that would be. I'm curious if that comes into so play. You're, so you you Aquarius at the dead of night. Yeah, I was and born Aquarius at three thirty-five in the morning. Morning and is Aquarius because I'm not very good at knowing what they are. Is that the water? Is that water? It's air, and it's it's it's, it's, it's mid mid January to mid February uh okay I'd, I'd love to do like a um a study on this to be like to like assess people's stations and their birth birth um, yeah to see if there's like a correlation um i mean there probably is to say a degree but i can't say a hundred percent because that i just thought of that i was like i wonder if that's that has any weight but mm. yeah um so you also do, you also said you, you do quantum healing. Mm. What is that? And how, how are you incorporating that into Ayurveda? Okay. So yeah, they're like completely sort of 
different, separate. But what I found, I think from, I guess, through my own working process um, and kind of own like healing journey is a lot of the time there's say blocked energy or um, like embedded beliefs in our subconscious that are limiting us or stopping us from getting to where we want to or things like that. So to, like kind of two, well, I'll, I'll tell you about so a few different, <laughs> a few different um, ways of looking at it. So firstly, quantum healing, I might work with a client where it's more of a, um, what do you call it? Like a relaxation healing session where intuitively I will tap into the energy system in their body. Um, and I, when I do this, I kind of look to the meridian system. Mm -hmm. um, so in, in Chinese medicine and see where I can feel, say like blocks happening. Um, and then kind of work with this is gonna this could sound really like crazy and woo woo but <laughs> we love woo woo it's a thing so work with like universal energy and mm -hmm. call like different universal energies in to assist in the healing process um to say remove blocks um that, that i can feel or like for example sometimes people like i've had people where it feels like there's a like a chain around your throat sort of mm -hmm. like blocking like your throat chakra or uh, shackles around the ankles kind of like holding you back or holding you down so it's going in and dissolving these energetic ties that are kind of causing these blocks in the body but in a intangible way yes um and then working say in a more dynamic sense is working with the client and kind of putting them into a, like a hypnosis state so that they really are like relaxed and in we can kind of tap into the subconscious to see what is going on in, in that way. So for example, um, if someone's having trouble with like eating or overeating um, and, and they can't understand like why, like why is this happening? Um, maybe there's a message that comes through from say a younger part of themselves or from you know a past grandparent or something like it's just you know anything can come through mm -hmm. <laughs> it's it's a um a realm of any possibility so kind of seeing what messages come through for that person um and then how can we take that information into into their 3D reality um, and make shifts and changes. Um, so for example, I had a client and she, her grandma came through and was kind of helped her remember that she loved eating like Mediterranean foods and she'd really kind of omitted those and had lost the joy of eating. Um, so I think that message came through and then she was like, oh yeah, I loved it when my grandma like used to cook all these things and it kind of brought the joy of eating and cooking back for her mm. um and then another another way or another thing that i like to do um which i call fragmented soul um integration yeah. so um calling like if if there's like some kind of behavior that's like disruptive or like an addiction or 
you know why is that happening like what part of the soul has become lost and how can we then reintegrate that back into um, ourselves to become a more whole version again um so really i kind of started to incorporate this aspect of that part into my work because i felt say in the, like in like a healing journey or um getting to understand yourself on that deeper level it's just a really nice way to start to look at life and things as well and gives people the opportunity to experience say life through a different lens yeah yeah and <laughs> so um like connection with the higher self or with um past ancestors or these fragmented soul aspects that have gone astray so opening them up to um different different like possibilities of why their health might not be where they want it to be or their life might not be where they want it to be um and just yeah kind of making them merge together that's beautiful because like the more you know about yourself the more you can understand then why you're struggling with or why you have the challenges that you have and I always feel that everything that you're going through is actually for you and not happening mm-hmm. to you, to you. Because mm-hmm. um, yeah. I remember a few years ago, I got bronchitis three times within two months. And I would just wake up in the middle of the night and just not be able to breathe. And the lungs are associated with grief. If, if you mm-hmm. look at the emotional, yeah. um, energetic component of different organs in the body, the lungs are grief and I was experiencing a lot of grief at that time. Mm. And so it was like releasing all of that. And then also knowing um, what foods to eat to support that, like Mm. support my lungs. It was like, so I was doing a lot of journaling and meditating and like sending a lot of love and light and forgiveness. But then I also was like incorporating the food aspect as well. So it's like Mm. they were in conjunction together. So it's beautiful how you're taking the energetic component with the physical component and kind of merging them together because it's just not, it's, 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 I always say like you could be eating all the right things, but you still can be sick. Mm, Right. And and so what's happening energetically, emotionally, yeah. That you're you're not you're not looking at and processing. Mm, I, yeah, so like I find all that say emotional and energetic work just so powerful, and I think because it's an intangible thing, like we can't see that there's stuck emotion inside, or we can't see that there's like blocked energy. We just miss it, or we don't yeah. see it. So being able to kind of tap in and get like get in tune with the body um and understand it on another level of say for example you experiencing grief and being able to like see that and 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 understand it on that deeper level is then just going to help the healing process so much deeper and also i guess quicker as well because you're like wow i can really like get to the root of this now and i can really like send love and healing energy along with the foods and it just becomes so powerful and and also magical i'm like oh god it's yeah. like combining everything like all the delicious things into one yeah yeah kind of thing yeah i'm curious to hear what you're what you have to think say about uh the pandemic where mm. you know the disease is really attacking the lungs mm. and the lungs are you know emotionally they represent grief 
Mm, and yeah, you know, I'm curious how you're bringing the energetic perspective and the Ayurvedic perspective. And I'm curious what your yeah, thoughts about that are. Yeah. Well, I guess ultimately we've gone, the whole country world has gone through fear and a lot of it as soon as fear like as soon as fear is in the body it suppresses the immune system straight away so so then it's almost like the people that then are in the fear are the ones that are more susceptible and and because we're like i mean i believe that if we raise our frequency raise ourselves energetically then we are going to be less susceptible to disease and illness Mm -hmm. um so if you're kind of living in that fear and lower states um like lower vibration then it's it's gonna it's unfortunately energetically i guess energetically you're going to be more susceptible to say catching covid um and then yeah and then it being in the lungs and grief and i guess people like lots of people say dying well have died with covid as well then it's like even more the lungs are at risk then because we're not only we've got fear but we've got grief and so it's just like oh it's all it's just so so much emotion for the body to process and handle and I think because everything's happened like obviously very quickly um people might not be giving themselves the time to process properly and Mm. um actually like sit in that uncomfortable of like okay what is what's actually happened and it's just so easy to be like oh no like you know fear and and grief and people dying and like oh my god I'm just gonna like look over here and like do that but I'm still feeling all those things and 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 not process it and then that that's like I mean (laughs) like thinking about it from what's happened this year like we're gonna we're all gonna be holding so much more trauma from this experience unless we are giving ourselves the time to witness it and and be like okay this has happened and even if you are at a higher frequency and you you can see all these terrible things that happen like yes still we need to look and see how it's affected us because it might have affected us in a completely different way um so yeah it's there's yeah there's so much more to it when we start to look at it like that Mm -hmm. and i think if people could understand it like that then it could help get us out of the fear if like they knew how much it suppressed the immune system and how much like it was like suppressing the lungs and then it becoming you become more susceptible and all of these like knock-on things knock-on things so um yeah that was a great question to kind of talk about and unpick a little bit for sure yeah and I feel like it's like we just don't live in the world that that gives so much weight to energy and mm. how how our bodies and how our minds are energetically can be invaded or um, even um, we can be hijacked energetically. And like, I love mm. that you said that fear suppresses the immune system, but it also releases stress in the body, inflammation. Mm. So what's the number one cause of disease? Inflammation. So it's mm. really interesting how... I I just I love looking at it from this other perspective because Mm. like I always ask myself like when I get sick I always go okay what's going on here like you just don't have a cold 
or you just don't have an upset stomach like what's happening here energetically emotionally and I immediately pull out my journal and I just start writing okay like and I'm like oh and I start to see that it's more than just a cold or an upset stomach oh I'm really processing some heavy emotions right now or I'm holding a lot of anger or whatever and it really helps me look at it in a more holistic way yeah and then I bring in the the herbs or whatever and the food to support me cleansing that in my frequency yeah yeah 100% and I think I I suffered with um like eczema like kind of chronically my whole life since I was like a baby and never you know I think growing up always going to specialists and hospital and there was like we can't do anything like we can give you steroid cream and and that's all and I've always known that there's, they always want to do like tests like oh what are you allergic to and that sort of thing but I just knew it's it's all this emotional trauma that's like being trapped in me that causes it and so it's like that internal inflammation well it's like the I think because I've like I have repressed, repressed like anger and frustration because I think growing up it was like no it's bad to be angry it's bad to be frustrated so then it's just like boiling and boiling <laughs> up inside and so just like the the like smallest thing um with like I guess like family and certain people will just instantly like like mass inflammation mm-hmm. um and I think that's why I I'm so interested in say the energetic and emotional body of why is that causing disease and illness and how can we release that trap trauma like what practices can we do to actually release trauma out of the nervous system and out of the body because we don't talk about that and if it's trapped if it's trapped there then it's trapped Mm -hmm. (laughs) how's it gonna how's it gonna come out how are you gonna get better Mm -hmm. how are these emotions gonna come out if you're if we're not actually looking at that energetic emotional um, aspect so I think I think in the years to come it will become more apparent that we need to look at these things in a lot more like take it a lot more seriously and mm. um that that is a massive cause for our, our ill health um yeah you know what you, you know what just came to me is i was thinking about symptoms being emotions trying to make themselves visible to us mm, yes 100 percent. it's like that's such a beautiful way to put it they're like trying to get your attention it's like okay you're feeling anger so i'm gonna create a rash on your body so you understand that there's anger here Mm, I just got yeah. the idea. I was like, "That's a cool way of looking at it." Yeah, no, a hundred percent. Like any any symptom, it's like, "What is what's this telling me?" And I had a really interesting one that um, it started when I was like in my early twenties. I used to get this pain in the side of my rib, um, and at the time it went on for like a few years and I was like always like oh what's that pain and it was like always quite uncomfortable just felt like it was an expanded balloon at the time I was going through I was in a relationship that was not healthy as soon as we broke up it went away and I was like oh it's gone like okay and then I was working in London and um loved my job but then it got a bit toxic in the environment and then that pain came back again Mm. oh that pain's back that's so weird I've not had it in like five years I left the job and it went. That's <laughs> and then amazing. I moved jobs and then when I moved to China and started working, and then when I started to get a bit unhappy again and out, I, I like now I can see it's when I'm out of alignment I get this pain, and it's telling me you're out of alignment. You need to 
swap what you're doing or like that career is not what you're meant to be doing. I think the whole time it's probably telling me that fashion is not what you're meant to be doing. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> like, yeah. That relationship is not for you. And so it's, it's, yeah, looking deeper into what that symptom is. Like, what is it really telling me? Like, can I, what information can I get from it? Or what, what's it trying to express? Yeah. Um, that's beautiful it's such it gives us so much to work with in terms of Mm self-investigation but I think we don't give ourselves ourselves that time to investigate ourselves um (laughs) unless you're kind of like interested and and have well I like to say I'm kind of like dedicated to that path as in like it fascinates me and I want to learn like as much as I can so I take the time to understand it but I think if you're not quite there it's a bit like oh like it's uncomfortable and like I don't know how to begin and and then I don't do it so hopefully over time people more people are gonna gonna be investigating themselves (laughs) yeah yeah that's beautiful so this was so amazing you shared so many beautiful nuggets of wisdom beautiful I love, I love how you explained Ayurveda. It, it was so simple because <laughs> it could be a very complex system to, to, to kind of understand. So the way, you, the way you translated it, and I loved that it came through your own channel. Um, mm-hmm. So it's, it was beautiful. Thank you for sharing everything you did today. Where can people find you? Okay, so my Instagram is um, Jerry, G-E-R-I, underscore, underscore, Lee, L-I. Um, so they can find me there and my website is wholesome I think it's dash ayurveda.co.uk um, but it is like undergoing a renovation <laughs> so I'm kind of creating a new website at the moment um, so it's probably best to find me on Instagram. Perfect and I also saw that you had an Ayurveda course that, that you can do self-pace, self-study. Mm, yeah it's actually um it's actually one that I host live um it's not a self-study one although I'm kind of creating some things that well like kind of some courses at the moment that you're going to be able to do more as a, as a self-study paced thing um but the one that you saw I think is one where really we go into depth on what we've discussed today about how how can we start to live Ayurvedically and um start to incorporate these practices and think in that different way because I think it can like we said it can be very overwhelming of knowing where to begin so just as like a five-week course to guide you into the start of your Ayurvedic path and journey oh that's beautiful so it's live okay that's even better Mm. yeah (laughs) awesome so all of Jerry's um, links will be in the show notes and my final question to you is What's one piece of wisdom or something that you have been really, it's transformative for you that you could, would want to share with somebody else? Um, just self-compassion and nourish and look after your inner child. Because I think we neglect the wounded parts of us that maybe didn't get the love that we needed and and that and that wounding can play out in our li- like adult lives as misbehaviors patterns just all sorts of catastrophic oh my god i can't say that word 
you know what I'm going to say so just really kind of dropping into that inner child and giving them the love or the nurturing that maybe they didn't have um and just seeing how how you feel and if you feel more kind of whole and integrated from that process that's beautiful and I I I think inner child work is so important Mm. thank you for sharing that yeah thank you for your time today thank you so much (laughs) Thank <laughs> you.